0: Um, writing a note to a boy in my class and a teacher was climbing up a ladder next to me to put something up in the storage up above and she looked down and she saw the note and I was like saying basically Greg I'd really like to have sex with you sometime and <laughs> she jumped down off the ladder and dr- dragged me in the note to the principal's office and literally said to me this is not normal and I didn't know what sex was at all, I just had (laughs) clearly heard it somewhere, but I thought that it was a thing that you did if you liked a boy named Greg, so Mm -hmm. Greg, if you're out there, I'm sorry we missed our chance.
1: (laughs) Welcome to Weapon of Choice, a podcast where creatives across mediums give us insight into the weaponry of their art. Each episode, you'll be hearing an interview with an artist who uses their art as a weapon of choice for social change and disruption, visibility and justice, cultural critique and resistance, among other things that ignite social consciousness and community action. These artists will tell us about their journeys toward the battles they are fighting, how they design, sharpen and develop their artistic weaponry to strike a blow against injustice in the world. Welcome back to Weapon of Choice Podcast, everybody. How's it going out there? This is officially season three. We are back, back for more, and we've got a lot in store. And it's good to be uh, on this microphone again, talking to y'all. Andrew is, uh, he's uh, with us, but just not with us today. Right now, it is April 2nd. Yes, Keep in mind, it's the second we're recording. This ain't the first. This is no joke. We are back, baby, and we are back with an exciting episode to begin season three with. And uh, you know, it's you know, we missed y'all. So again, hit us up. Want to know what's going on with y'all? And I just want to get right into it, though, because you heard at the top, Adrian Marie Brown. That was a little clip, and we're going to get into her episode. We're going to dive right in. It was a fun time. Adrian and her sister Autumn were in town. Um, they were doing a lot, very busy. Uh, there was a live recording of How to Survive the End of the World, the podcast that they created and co-host. And we sat down with Adrienne right before that live recording in Minneapolis, and Adrian was also in town to do a couple of events, another one of them, um, uh, a little more focused on, so at the, the live podcast, you'll be able to hear that, How to Survive the End of the World. Subscribe, check that out if you haven't already. And they talked a lot about restorative justice and a lot of other very good conversations with uh, the audience as, as well as Alexis Pauline Gums, who you may have heard on season two of Weapon of Choice. And then over the weekend, uh, Adrian spoke again with some special guests, shout out to Janata And uh, about all things, but currently Adrian has a new book out called Pleasure Activism I know some of y'all listening have picked it up already, I know some of y'all listening have read it already and already re-gifted it I hope all of that's going on and then some Pleasure Activism, a New York Times bestseller, Congratulations uh, to Adrian and the whole team at AK Press, and all of uh, Adrian's team supporting, um, we're just very excited that um, Adrian, as a leader and doing what she does, which you'll hear you'll hear about all that. And I just encourage everybody to, um, you know, go to adrianmariebrown.net and Marie is spelled M A R E E. And uh, there's, just, there's just so much going on. And she's, she's definitely focused on um, being a social justice facilitator. Uh, she was a co-editor of Octavia's Brood, and then released her own book, her first book, Emergent Strategy. And again, Pleasure Activism is out now. And uh, she's also focused on black liberation, um, doing amazing work too much to name here in Detroit, where she resides, and uh, a lot of writing. More books on the way from Adrian. We are in heaven about the f- that knowledge, even. And uh, I just really appreciate, Weapon of Choice really appreciates uh, Adrian taking the time to sit down with us uh, while she was in Minneapolis, and we had a great time talking about a lot. Oh, Adrian's also a doula, let me not forget that. She's a pleasure alchemist, if you will All of those things, so much um, we're, we're very excited to bring you Adrian's interview um, We're going to dive back in But first, I just wanted to remind y'all uh, Where you can find us on social media Because we need that love and support We're an independent podcast We do this um, because we love it We uh, will never stop loving it we love having these conversations and sharing them with the world, and uh, we appreciate you tuning in each time. So on Instagram, you can find us at Weapon of Choice Podcast. Same goes for Facebook at Weapon of Choice Podcast, and if you're if you're on Twitter, we're at Weapon Choice Pod. Um, check us out. If you use Apple Podcasts and iTunes, we would really, 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 really appreciate if you went on there if you haven't already and give us that review and. Uh, Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. We really appreciate that. It, it, it means a lot to us um, to know that you're listening, to see your comments, to see your reviews in any way, shape, or form, whether you're DMing us, but uh, hit us with that uh, rating and review on Apple Podcasts and iTunes if you listen there. And even if you do listen on Spotify or SoundCloud or elsewhere, and you have access to Apple Podcasts and iTunes, go drop that rating and review, and we love you for that. And uh so yeah, what we want to jump back into cuz I just it's just a celebration that uh, Adrian brought her energy to town recently sat down with us. I mean, it's really beautiful when um when someone like Adrian is sharing uh, her stories, her work, her writing, her words, her time, her passion for all of these things and it's starting to grow and folks are really uh really really connecting um with, with Adrian's work beyond the way that it inspires so many, but beyond Adrian being such a big inspiration, it also inspires folks to not just look up to her, but also go within and go inward and really um, go after each and everyone's personal dreams through um, the inspiration that Adrian's words bring to so many people, so many black folks, so many black and brown, indigenous folks and all folks and, and and women and black women. Oh my goodness. Like those rooms, the energy in those rooms you cannot manufacture if you tried. So thank you, Adrian. And we are going to get right back into hearing from Adrian and our recording where she was letting everybody know what her weapon of choice is and the battle she's fighting and uh, let's just dive literally dive right back into the words of adrian marie brown here it is
0: and then i feel like i fight all the time um to clear us of the violence of hierarchy and the myth of supremacy and so that takes the shape of black liberation work um the tools that i use Um, I feel like I use my writing, my voice, like I'm constantly trying to find, um, ways to say things, especially ideas that are like, oh, this really complex idea is really important for as many of us to understand as possible. And I feel like I try to make it plain. Mm. So make it plain, make it beautiful. Those Mm -hmm. are things that I'm always trying to do. Mm. Um, humor is a weapon that I feel like I'm just recently starting to understand like, oh this is something I have in my arsenal that I can do on purpose. Like I'm just like, um, I'm not at the point where I can like make jokes on purpose, but I am at the place where I can not hold one back. If that mm. makes sense. Like when I feel a funny thought come, mm. I just let it out. <laughs> right. And I used to be like, contain, contain, like you need to be taken seriously as an activist. And it's like, I'm just not that kind of activist. I'm not that kind of person. Mm. Um, to me, grief and humor are always sitting right next to each other. And it's like humor is one of the ways we come through. Right. Um, and right. then facilitation. Like I'm a facilitation evangelist. I really deeply believe that if you can get people in a room to, to find as much ease as possible in coming together, like any kinds of people can sit together and find uh, a radical way to be with. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And, it,
1: and it's great that you're evolving in, in that humorous way because a lot of folks would pump the brakes on humor given the nature of social media and all that. And you're yes. finding yourself more comfortable in letting that yeah. that, that thought out. Yes. Well, you know it's funny.
0: Well, and you know, you know, I mean, I'm lucky that I have um, a lifetime. It feels like a lifetime of, like I've lived through, I've seen what PC looks like. I've seen what it looks like when you're just... Um, trying to control language without actually holding an analysis that's radical. Mm -hmm. So I'm very, I'm like, to me, the language of things, um, is important. You know, I'm a writer and it doesn't replace actually having justice. Mm -hmm. Um, so a lot of times people are like, Oh, you can't say that. I'm like, you can say whatever you want. What I care about is my feeling of freedom and feeling that the other people around me are free and my feeling of safety and feeling that the other people around me are safe. Um, it's one of the reasons why I think a lot of comics are suffering now because that move of punching down, right? Where it's mm-hmm. like, oh, if you're making fun of people who are less privileged and less safe than you are, then it's generally not funny, right? Like it's it's like, that's going to fail. But I mostly make fun of people who are extremely wealthy mm-hmm. and who are suffering from white supremacy and suffering from, you know, cis male uh, phobias and stuff like that. So I feel okay with the jokes that I make. And then right. I make fun of us, you know, like people yeah. that I'm peers with, where I'm just like, look, we're pretty ridiculous like we it still amazes me that I get to count myself as an adult like I do things on a regular basis and I'm like (laughs) okay like I can't Mm. believe they let me out of kindergarten but I'm out here I have a driver's license I have a medical marijuana license like I'm allowed to do grown-up things you know so I'm like I'm living I'm good and
1: there's that child's play that's within our adult adult cells where back in the fall you talked about reclaiming your magic
0: exactly you know and i feel like that's i mean i'm now around nibblings i'm around children a lot and you know the thing i love about them is it's not that they're ever intentionally trying to be funny or not funny or any of that they're just honest you mm-hmm. know they're just like i don't like that like i just gave my one of my nibblings this very valuable <laughs> expensive um Star Wars memorabilia shirt mm-hmm. and she put it on and like immediately, you know, she put it on and like looked very happy for like two seconds and she was like, the arms are too short, it's whack, and just like pulled it off. And I was like, oh. <laughs> you know, like everything in me clutched up. Yeah. Like a true Star Wars fan. But then I was like, okay, like she's just being honest. Right. Like she's just being honest. She's not trying to hurt me. Yeah. She's not <laughs> trying to save me from being hurt. Like neither of those things even occurs to her. She's mm-hmm. just like the truth is the shirt is whack right mm-hmm. and i'm like you know that's fine i'll find some shorter armed person who's gonna love it
1: and that honesty is beautiful i mean i remember i was uh gonna spend some time with my three-year-old last night
0: mm. and she looked Three at so she, she looked at
1: her mom and was like mom don't you have somewhere to be
0: <gasps> like, <laughs> <laughs> she was like you're crowding us right now we actually have plans so. and you can't help
1: but like it's great. and laugh you and then know? you laugh
0: and it's like oh you're just being real mm-hmm. yeah i have another nibbling who nibbling. for a long time nibbling have you heard this know, term I have not. so um, my friend Tanusha um, is the person who passed on to me and it's a gender liberated way of speaking about the children of your siblings mm-hmm. so you don't have to be like this is my niece or my nephew it's like this is these are all my nibblings i have Uh, a million of them some of them are non-binary some of them you know still feel like i'm a girl i'm a boy whatever yeah yeah. and it's just like catch-all term okay um but one of them is has for a long time very like it's just me and my mom it's just me and my mom and so it would be funny to come stay there because i'm like i am so in love with you and i want to hug you and kiss you and like hang out with you and i could just tell like she would come in the room and just be like kind of like that scene in Inception, but she's the entire world looking at me like, <laughs> you're in the wrong place. Like, this is me and my mom's time and space. She's softened. Now uh-huh. she's happy to see me, but I love that she was just like, the truth is, why are you here? <laughs> like, mm. I'm like, mm, you're right. And I would feel that way. I was like, why am I trying to crowd your space? <laughs> you mm. <know? laughs> anyway, yeah. Nibblings,
1: that's beautiful. Yeah. Um. So, and and I, I remember you talk, you talked about uh, your approach to wardrobe and your relationships with people you keep around you, and, and want to be in the company of. So, was there a clear moment when that 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 comparison connected for you when you felt liberated by that transcendence of thought?
0: Yes. So, I think what I said was like, I don't like to feel anything against me that that bothers me, and I don't want people around me that <laughs> like that. Right. So, I do feel like. Um, It's been in my thirties. Like, I feel like I had, I, I, in my twenties, I was very much like, you know, if I think someone's cool, I've just got to work so hard to like stay in their good graces and Mm. impress them. And I was really concerned about what was the impact I was having on others or did people want me around? And I hadn't, I, you know, I'd been socialized very much like you're a black fat person. Like no one's going to want you around and you have to try to show that you're cool, show that you would be desirable to have company as a company. Mm. Um, And I feel like in my thirties at some point it kind of clicked over and I was like, I really love my own company. Like I really love myself. I love, um, you know, I just love like, Oh, you know, sometimes I'll just be like, that's what you're thinking about. That's great. Like that's a, it's an interesting thought pattern. And um, I think you kind of have to feel that way to start writing, to write the way that I write. Cause I'm like, I'm really just exploring this. And often I'm exploring something initially just because I'm like, I'm interested in this exploration. And then I find other people who are like, I'm also interested in that exploration. That's where collaboration enters. Mm -hmm. Um, But I feel like something shifted for me where I was no longer trying to impress others as much as I was like, I want to feel that level of alert attention, you know, when I'm with people. And so I started to notice when I didn't either, when I was like, this person wants to fight all the time. Mm -hmm. Why? Like, that's not really useful Um, expenditure the miraculous nature of our lives let's not do that Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know or this person, you know there's some people who fighting is fun with but it's very rare um and then there's other people i'm like this is just not interesting to me like i'm like you're interested in whatever you're talking about you should find other people who are super into you know sports or whatever thing it is right i'm like i'm not the one Mm -hmm. but I I like the idea of everyone being around folks who they're like we're all genuinely interested in the same stuff rather than socialized to yeah. pretend that we're interested in the same stuff. Right? Right. Yeah. There's
1: enough folks going around, <laughs> Last right? I heard. There's seven so and a many half humans billion, you know? on this planet,
0: and like surely some of them, uh-huh. you know. I even look at I watch my nibblings growing up, and I'm like. Watching, you know, it seems at a younger and younger age, people are kind of specializing into, oh, I'm really interested in technology. And, like, it becomes a path that you're like, oh, that path can go a really long way for your life. Mm -hmm. And not feeling like any worry. I'm like, I'm not worried about you even being isolated about that path, that excitement. I'm like, there's so, you know, this is the age of nerds. This is the age of technologists. This is the age of being able to think through programming and what you can invent with your mind and mm-hmm. you know so I'm like oh I'm really excited to see my nibblings have a tendency towards technology and creating worlds rather than necessarily wanting to play football right, <laughs> right? I'm like yeah. please yes build worlds don't destroy your brain <laughs> <laughs> so yeah
1: and the more you come into exactly who you are does journeying toward your truest self and self as evolution do wonders for imagining the future
0: Ooh, Tommy what a question um I think it does because I think that if you, if you don't really like feel like, oh, I see myself as a growing, evolving being, I think it's very hard to even begin to imagine that all of these systems could change in a meaningful way. Um, and I know that for me, the periods where I have felt the most hopeless in my life have been the ones where I was like, I never change. I keep making the same mistake over and over again.
1: Our I'm 20s. never gonna
0: grow, right? 20s, you know, um, hmm. and 30s, you know, I made some good mistakes in my 30s, right? Yeah. But now I'm 40. So now it's like, I'm a profesh. Are y'all coming to say hi to me? Hey. Oh, yeah, okay. And, I mean, My niblings are like right here. Come here, come say hi. Come say hi. You can, all right. You wanna Say,
1: say hello. hello world.
0: Hello. Hi world. Hi world. What do you think um what's the biggest thing you can imagine, Marid? Yeah. Um, having my whole family together at one time. Wow. I love that. That's like thirty billion people. <laughs> Hi. All right. You gonna go exploring?
1: That's how you know the importance of family when you <laughs> right? even have to imagine that. You exactly. Know, uh, so That's pretty big. amazing. And uh, sticking with imagination, how how did your imagination oxygenate and expand in the process of writing your books?
0: Oh, that's good. Um, you know, both of the books, well, every book that I've been involved in has stretched me. So, Octavia's Brood was the first one where I felt like that is a collection of short stories from people who are doing um, social justice work. And in the process of working with those innovators, I found myself, mm-hmm. they went that way. They went that way, Finn. <laughs> Sorry. Um, in the process of working on those stories with the writers, I kept having to stretch myself and be like, oh, how do I think of Ethiopia? Can I imagine Ethiopia as the centerpiece of a new world? And mm-hmm. like, I'm like, oh, why haven't I imagined that yet? You mm-hmm. know. And I just kept finding myself stretched. Um, emergent strategy, I had to stretch because it was like trying to really see something that was hard to explain to people like when I'm like I want movements that can flow and avoid predation like a flock of birds Mm -hmm. and in my head I can see that very clearly like I I, you know it's very visual to me the ways that we're able to move together Um, but trying to put that in words that are clear enough for other people who are like you know, a flock of birds. I don't think of us that way, you know, or whatever yeah. um, was, was a stretch. And mm-hmm. then for pleasure activism, I think I had to stretch my imagination in order to be able to understand what all even fit into it and to make the choices. Because initially... I think for me, a lot of the book was just going to be about sex and sexual power, um, reclaiming sexual power, sex and healing. And then as I started working into it, I was like, oh, there's actually so many more places where we need to be able to imagine pleasure. And it was, it wasn't, I was like on the path before it clicked. Like what I want us to be able to imagine is that our experiences of justice become the most pleasurable things that we can be involved in. That started to be like... Oh like my system settled and sometimes imagination mm-hmm. does that for me like if mm-hmm. i can see something beyond what we're currently experiencing i'll actually feel like um the myofascia on my back kind of relax you know it's mm-hmm. like oh if i can see it i think that means it's possible mm-hmm. and um, the only thing that's impossible is that thing that we cannot imagine. Mm-hmm. And then it just means we have to stretch those muscles further. It doesn't mean like, you know, so I'm like, oh, we just need to keep stretching and stretching. Yeah.
1: And you and that thing in the the part where Audre Lord talked about the eroticism being a guide exactly. for all the other experiences. Exactly. You know? And
0: like even imagination can and should be a place where we can intentionally practice and experience pleasure. Um, I -hmm. think that we hold back from that. And I think that right now we use a lot of our imagination towards dystopian pathways. Right. So we're like, you know, imagining what it's going to be like when we can't fly anymore, imagining what it's going to be like when there's no more oil, imagining what it's going to be like when we're all battling over every resource. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yes, yes, that's actually the most likely scenarios that we're in right now but can we actually imagine something totally different something where we do have the resources
1: yeah yeah um it, you know you you say you say yes has a future and you said witnessing and embodied yes in the body of historically oppressed person is yeah. irresistible to me Yes. so can you talk about the pleasure that is a yes
0: yeah so um, I can I was recently at the black organizing for leadership and dignity gathering we have a national gathering each year and that space we had a party one night which was the Harlem renaissance party and Um, You know, most of us know each other as organizers. We come together for very, like, intense emotional and political growth experiences. And that night, um, people actually showed out. Like, folks brought costumes and they did their hair. And, like, we walked into those rooms transformed and time traveling. And, like, one of our guides, one of our teachers is Sindolo. And he gave us this guidance that was like Harlem Renaissance can be inside you. You don't have to even have a costume. Just embody Harlem Renaissance and we'll know. And so everyone walked in and like we started dancing with each other. And there was just so much joy and so much freedom in that space. And I was like, these are the most... Badass black organizers I know, and they are twerking in their 1920s finest. And like I was just like, this is mm. a yes. Like I want to see <laughs> more and more movements that are like, we work and we play together, and mm-hmm. we celebrate each other's beauty and fabulousness as much as we stand with each other when it's hard. Yeah, like that's the kind of movement that I'm honored to be a part of.
1: Yeah, and I like I think of like a lot of the times when we see self care online, we see just it very with a with a very individualistic lens. Yes. And, yeah. you know, so... Is we're in
0: a capitalist society, you know? You know? So it's yeah, like We exactly. can only sell it to you if you can buy it individually. Exactly.
1: And, mm-hmm. you know, what's the trust or balance we need to have when we engage with movements or revolutions now, you know, now that there are more conversations around the decolonization of uh, self-care, how can we do good work that's inherently sustainable versus having to reserve time to do it elsewhere because that's just another thing to do.
0: Yeah, I mean, I love that now more and more movements are weaving together. Um, it's sort of like at the intersection of self-care and access and really understanding that like the way that we actually have, that all of us have more access to movements and more access to justice is if we're attending to the care needs of everyone in the space. Mm-hmm. and. Then it becomes, oh, you know, there's, I think this quote going around right now that's like self-care is not just baths or it's not, I keep editing it. It's not um, baths and face masks. Or, so I can't remember part of it, but it's creating a life you don't need to escape from. It's Brianna Wiest, I think says it. She's mm-hmm. like on Instagram. Mm-hmm. and <clears throat> And I keep saying it's not just those things because I'm like, I think it's important to not erase the individual completely from the experience because it's inside of you that you have to make the choice to be like, you know, I do need boundaries. I do need a hot bath. I do need those things. And, and sometimes those first steps are how you start to recognize like, if this, that's how I did it. You know, I'm like, this is so good. I can't imagine wanting anyone to not have access to this. How do I make access to this mm-hmm. common? Like, how do I make it like, oh, everyone has access to this. That's what we do with each other.
1: Mm. And
0: now I feel like I'm part of communities that um, are thinking in that way. Like how do we generate access to things together? How do we generate access to care together? How do we generate access to justice together? Mm -hmm. Um, Even the way, like I have this institute now that's getting off the ground, Emergent Strategy Ideation Institute, and we just had a retreat for the people who are going to be facilitating and mediating on our behalf for 2019. And one of the things we were thinking about was how do we... Structure it financially so that those who have more can contribute more to our work and cover us to be able to, you know, support and mediate and care for people who may m- not have that many resources.
1: Mm-hmm. <coughs> wow. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: <laughs> you know, so, redistribution, redistribution. Oh,
1: so, so, so needed. There's. Okay, one more about pleasure. <laughs> oh,
0: yeah. Ple- I mean, we can talk um, about pleasure exactly. all day. Exactly. <laughs> it's like my favorite thing So right
1: a lot of times there are stipulations to things we want to be better at, like love, kindness, curiosity. Uh-huh. Um, how do you experience pleasure without the stipulation of hope, beliefs, or a destination, you know?
0: Yes, um, that non-attachment. Like, I think for me, the initial practice of this was actually around the practice of orgasm, that like, coming into being a sexual being a lot of my training you know if you call it that like training in quotations Mm -hmm, but like mm -hmm. a lot of the ways that I was told to think about it was my purpose in sex is to lead to the orgasm of whoever the man that I'm with right and so as like sex began to queer for me Mm -hmm. and sex began to open for me it I started to realize oh my own orgasm matters and then I realized actually it's my own pleasure that matters and like that's deeper and sometimes more bombastic than an orgasm can even contain. Um, cause for some people, the orgasm is just very much like it's a, you know, quick release. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's, you know, when you start to get into like, Oh, Tantra and like actually building up all this energy, multi-orgasmic, squirting, all this other stuff. I'm like, there's worlds and worlds and worlds and worlds of intimacy and desire and letting something build up. And so I'm like, okay, that's literally in the wiring of our bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, We can either choose the fast route or we can choose and have, you know, something quick and easy, or we can choose this longer, slower route um, that is more using the imagination, using Mm. the entire system, using the breath and the miraculous nature of the body to yield something almost unimaginable or only possible with others or only, you know, that to me is interesting. So I'm like, if that's in Mm. our bodies... That must also be in our collective body. Mm-hmm. And so then I think, oh, how do we start to use that technology when we're come together, that we're not just looking for what is the quickest victory, the quickest outcome, the quickest orientation mm-hmm. towards winning that
1: mm-hmm. we can
0: have, but actually engaging ourselves in the longer work and the more desiring work that leads us to actually satisfaction. Right. So I think a lot about that as like Satisfaction is a state that I can actually experience in my lifetime. I really Mm -hmm. long for that. Mm -hmm. And now I'm feeling that. (laughs) So Mm. that's cool.
1: Um, What feelings do you get when you witness black excellence? From Mm -hmm. going to a Beyonce show (laughs) to that time you and Autumn (laughs) described seeing that Obama portrait and watching the parent take a picture of their 10-year-old in front of the Obama portrait.
0: Oh, it was so good. Um, What
1: do you get out of witnessing all that black excellence? Varying degrees.
0: uh, So one of my friends is Alexis Pauline Gums and she talks about time travel Shout and out how Alexis. Alexis is everything. Season um, two season two. She's oh, so everything. Yeah. I like I love that woman and I've learned so much from her in my lifetime uh-huh. we went to college together and it's just been oh. like a learning journey ever since then. But she talks about time travel and how what we do is not just reimagining and changing the future, but also changing the past. Like we're changing along the nonlinearity of time, mm-hmm. and so when I witness black excellence and black freedom, black people experiencing justice and experiencing like the fullness of our lives, I feel it travel back along the lines of time and and heal at a cellular structure harms that have happened to black people since we came to this country. Mm-hmm. Um, and unknown harms that have happened to black people, known harms that have happened to black people. Um, and I love to imagine even just going all, you know, back to my grandmother and being like, there's some moment of peace that she had in the, you know, a day of her maid's work that mm-hmm. is sourced by some black excellence that I'm witnessing in this moment, right? And I love that I, idea that it's like, my job is to collect as many of these and send it along that non-linear timeline, right? Wow. Um, and It also just gives me, I mean, like, I feel it in my body, like, it kind of floods me from the inside to the edges with, like, that's right. That's Mm -hmm. what we're capable of. Like, and it's only the mythologies of supremacy that have ever made us think that that's not our birthright and that's not what we're supposed to be up to. Mm -hmm. Um, So I go hard for black excellence. I tend to be very loud and, (laughs) you know, (laughs) really into it.
1: Yeah. um, So (laughs) imagine, imagine. How imagine long have you been in Detroit? Imagine the
0: black hey, Right, remix. We got to
1: remix that. <laughs> um, and, and then we only get ten percent. Right. <laughs> uh,
0: um, what'd you so say? How if, long have I been in Detroit? If yeah, how long have you been there? I've been there a decade this okay. year. Okay,
1: so imagine, yeah. imagine Detroit in the context of the Midwest. Yeah. Also, imagine Detroit as this country's savior. So, like, I'm writing i yeah, yeah. I'm writing a screenplay about the world water epidemic, and it takes place in Detroit for reasons I can't say on the air, but. Ooh! Um, what power and beauty of Detroit <laughs> as a city and as a people do you imagine a great sci-fi or otherwise future for?
0: I mean, I'll say this, you know, I I got to study at the feet of Grace Lee Boggs, who was an elder organizer in Detroit. Mm -hmm. And she would always say Detroit is what the rest of the world has to look forward to. And I really believe that it's not even a sci-fi thing. It's like we're actually living and doing I think that so much of what has happened with projects like Detroit Summer, projects like Allied Media, Um, projects where people have said we're going to be collaborative in a very radical way we're going to center the voices of black people and black elders and black babies we're going to center on the use of murals and art and we are going to center the wisdom that comes from those who have been workers and who know that it's not useful to romanticize just having a job. What we need to think about is what is the work we need to do as a people in that community? Mm-hmm. And like all of that is absolutely flowing out of Detroit as it is right now. Mm. And that's very exciting to me. Um, And I think that there's places to grow. We have these mesh wireless networks now popping off over the city that give us a way to begin to resist these massive media corporations that want to control what we can say to each other. Mm. Um, I think that we are on the precipice of some major solutions around the environment. Just today, um, I saw the news that the incinerator is going to be shutting down. This is the last day that it will be uh, in operation, that's been years and mm. years of black organizers like Sawatu Salamara, mm-hmm. like um, Amina Maxi, um, the whole Zero Waste Detroit crew saying, We're not okay with this. It is not okay to be putting all this trash in the air and having it fall down um, and come into guess, the lungs of babies. It's, of course, black <laughs> neighborhoods, right? I mean, it's a majority black city. That's why it's even in our city, right? <sighs> um, but it's been years. And it's like, you, you, you sometimes you have to come, when you come to Detroit, you have to throw this in your sci-fi novel. I'll show you. There's literally an elementary school, like from the elementary school front door, you see the incinerator. It's it's shocking, right? And so you're just like, and it smells. I mean, it smells like what you would imagine trash being thrown up in the air, you know, as hot fire would smell like. <laughs> so we're all just like very excited for that. And it means, again, this is possible. A major city can shut down a trash incinerator and find other ways of dealing with waste that are not so mm-hmm. harmful for us. And if Detroit can do it, it can be done in all these other cities around the world where there are trash incinerators in low-income yeah. um, and largely majority-of-color communities.
1: And is the next step resisting the gentrification of all the folks who are like, hey, we can move our kids in there now?
0: Well, I mean, gentrification is such a tricky one. You know, I it's the thing that I wrote about from my short story in Octavia's Brood. And the only solution I could come up with was that a wave came <laughs> and, like, washed away uh, all the people, not necessarily who were, like— gentrifiers, quote unquote, but the people who would not love the city. And I think about that. These things feel really important to me that it's like if you are coming to a place and your goal is to make it the same as every other place and you don't really love the unique quality of that place, then that's who I want us to sweep away and I Mm -hmm. want us to find like just go, you know, I'm like go to sameville we need to play create a whole state that's just called sameville where it's just like a target a walmart a starbucks and a mcdonald's every block and you can just go there everyone can have the same house and just be boring and be like basic and the same like you know Mm -hmm. you can call it suburbanville Mm -hmm. whatever right Mm -hmm. and then let everyone else live in these funky dope cities that we live in like detroit like chicago like new orleans that are like only suffering because people are trying to Flatten everything that's amazing and dope about it, right? Mm. I'm like, I know change is constant. I believe in that. When I lived in New York, I was like, you can't resist the changes that are happening. Mm-hmm. But some of the changes are clearly born from people who love the place, and sure. some are born from people who just want to erase everything. So we great have to about look it.
1: at the love again. Mm. Exactly. Look in, look in, like, look into the light, look into the love. <laughs>
0: exactly. I was like, love will lead you. <laughs> um,
1: congratulations. If it's official, New York Times number one bestseller. It's official. It's in, not
0: number one, but it's it's number six. It's a three
1: days. I freaking
0: cannot believe three it, days, Tommy. New York like, Times
1: bestseller. Last
0: night I got the news, and it was a. Last night was a like yesterday the whole day. I keep saying this. It felt like Mercury and retrograde had all piled up into one like five hour moment for me. <laughs> oh. So like I had a three thirty flight, uh-huh. and at one thirty, I locked my keys in the car while I was running. And that was after having steroid shot into both knees because I'm about to travel and my arthritis is popping. Okay. So I was like, oh, okay, it's going to be like that. Okay, uh-huh. that's what we're doing right now, universe? Okay, good. All right, bring it, bring it, bring it, bring it, right? And I had heard a rumor about the New York Times thing last week, mm-hmm. but then I didn't see any picture. I didn't see anything that was like this. I couldn't find anything about it on the internet. So I was like, <laughs> I think that was just someone who loves me being like, maybe, I don't know, you know? Yeah, yeah. And and then my publisher was like, no, it's it's for real. And now I'm like, I, I mean, I've, I've looked at the New York Times page probably a hundred times. And like I just keep going, I'm like, are you kidding? Like, yeah, yeah, are you going right. to take it down? <laughs> you know, because... You know, it's it's not it's what I expected and it's the first yeah. time for my publisher AK Press has never had anyone on the New York Times bestseller list. Well, so they called and we're both having this experience of like did yeah. we I didn't even know this was possible. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, we're a little scrappy thing. Wow, and shout out to
1: AK too.
0: Exactly. I'm really happy because there's also I will say this, like AK has so many writers that are a part of that community that mm-hmm. absolutely should be bestsellers mm-hmm. you know like I'm thinking of hegemony how to I am think like Leah Lakshmi Summer of Sinha and Ajira Dixon are releasing a transformative justice reader this fall mm. there's just like amazing amazing political text in that space and they've been such a commitment to writers who tell the truth yeah, and writers yeah, who bring yeah. a solid analysis so I'm excited for them to get this right. moment, and right. hopefully, it lifts a lot of the writers into a different spotlight. Yes. So we'll yes. see. Yes,
1: <clears throat> let's keep it, let's keep Black Excellence going. Um, what? So the the act of writing versus talking about your writing in the media. Yeah. How how have you been processing or digesting your own words in the pace of speaking and schedules and teams?
0: Oh Lord. Um, you know, one of the things that's been really exciting is. I spent most of my career doing it all myself in in different ways. Um, Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is, like, I would be, like, I'm the facilitator, so I'm just going to show up by myself and, like, figure it all out with y'all. And Mm -hmm. um, a few years ago, I started working with Allied Media Projects and booking. So they would, like, book things for me, do contracts, invoices. That freed up a lot of room. I think the only reason I was able to do these books Ah. was because I had – that level of room opened up and I was no longer responsible for all the paperwork that goes along with trying to be a consultant. Yes.
1: Um,
0: And now it's growing to the next level. So I just brought on someone who's, I call the boss of internal magic and I have someone who's the boss of external magic. So someone who's handling like, making all the programs super fly and someone who's handling the administrative parts of the work. And then I did this this whole orientation with all these other people who are going to start taking some of the gigs. And my hope is that I can really focus in my own facilitation on a couple of key clients that that really invigorate me. Mm -hmm. And then that a, a ton of my time would actually be spent on writing. I have... I, I'm thinking in books now, right? So I'm like, <laughs> I have a book about facilitation. I've got another book about transformative justice, and I, yeah, I want to see where it falls in the sure. spectrum. I've got several novels. You know, one is finished, one is um, drafted, and I've got like three or four sketched out. Uh-huh. I just feel like I want to be unleashed to just mm. move the work out, and that feels really exciting. And I, So I'm, I'm like, also doing the audiobooks of the work that i've already done you know like i'm like i want to mm. i want to record my own audiobooks. Yeah. i want you know all that feels really exciting to me um and what it if feels like, like what if <sighs>
1: oprah was like can i do this Ooh, can girl. i do your audio <laughs> or you
0: know me or oprah <laughs> i mean like i so i always tell people i'm like we shall not speak of oprah we shall not speak of Oprah. Right. I love her so much. You know, I'm just sort of like, we don't jinx it. Needs, it. We don't call yeah, it in. Right. We don't it do to, anything. Because <laughs> Oprah is Oprah. But I will say this. I I have a bunch of friends, and they've been sort of joking about this idea of Black marxist cannibalism and that at some point we may need to really consider the you know making real the concept of eating the rich and it's really a sci-fi game exploration it's like hilarious (laughs) and so they start naming all their wealthy people that are like i mean this person like they've got a zillion dollars whatever Uh, um but you know the other night i just want to say on oprah's behalf that i like even the name was whispered i was like don't ever try to come for oprah don't try to and and it was like i really felt in my in my body i knew in that moment that if i saw my friends running at oprah with like their forks i would just be like i will Uh. jump in front you know like i'm just like oprah has given us so much and we're not taking any of her delicious thigh meat we're not doing it oh
1: (laughs) wow keeping (laughs) oprah Uh.
0: beyonce obviously we're keeping. Anyway, mm. we had a whole list of people who are going to be safe. Um, you know, they'll have the option of redistributing their funds, obviously. Sure, right. Sure. So You know. We'll get- <laughs> but yeah, shout out to Mo. Shout out to Chelsea. Carissa, like some of our folks who are, <laughs> mm. you know, guiding me.
1: All right. Since we're running out of time and oh, cool. seriously, your family's here. Thank you so much for doing this. Oh, <laughs> um, they, they're,
0: they're playing. I think they're having a great time.
1: So I'll, I kind of got some staples. I just want to okay, good. rattle off with the little time we have. Boom, I'm here. Maybe one selfie after, and then we're you
0: know, gonna take a selfie, Tommy. It's beautiful. gonna ha- I can see the future. It's, I didn't tell you that. So oh God, <laughs> I've got
1: I've got so much.
0: I, um, do you want how, a rapid fire? Do, do you want me to give you rapid I'm gonna, fire I'm gonna answers? give you like
1: yeah, let's do that. Okay, because they're they're gonna be great. Okay, great. Um, I'm
0: here for
1: it. How do you balance cynicism and hope?
0: Orgasms and bathtubs.
1: What are you tired of hearing?
0: I didn't mean to hurt you.
1: Mm. When is this work most fun?
0: When we dance and sing to celebrate our moves forward. Mm.
1: And I want to get to a place where writers don't call it work. You know like yeah. Tell me about your work, or give me some feedback on your work. Like, exactly. I'm just you know. like this is
0: my joy. This is mm-hmm. these are my you know I like I, it is my creations. So I think of it as that. Mm. But like when I'm facilitating a group and we reach a moment of like we landed the shit out of that decision. Like black people will benefit from what we just did. Cool. Let's put on, you know. Um, the very first time uh, oh, oh. that I saw your <laughs> brown eyes, your lips said hello. And N-R. we all sing it, right? Oh, yeah. And I'm like, now we remember that we made that decision. We could celebrate it. Ah. You know, honoring black people past and future.
1: Look at that. What, <laughs> what truly sustains you in your daily life?
0: Um, my tarot decks, my mm-hmm. plants. And my woes. I have several sets of people who (laughs) Mm -hmm. are like working on excellence in my life, including my sisters, uh, my mom, my Mm. dad, like people are rooting for me, Mm -hmm. my besties. Um, And I feel like there's no day that I don't get and receive wisdom and love from those places. Mm. Mm -hmm.
1: When do you feel you're at your very best?
0: Oh, that's a great question. I think um, when I finished writing Something that I'm like, that's true. That was true.
1: When it just feels like, yeah, there's times. I because mean, often, like, true. the world
0: comes through, the news comes through, whatever, and I'm mm. like,
1: ah, new question. I, I'm
0: like, what am I think? Like, what do I think about this? What What do I believe we need to be thinking about this? And um, sometimes I lay with that, and often it comes very early in the morning. Like, I'll wake up at five or six, and a whole idea is just sitting there, kind of chunked in my head. And when I let it out and I land it, it can feel it. It's like I hit the sentence, I'm like, that's true. Mm. That was the best I could have done by folks with this. And I'm going to, you know, and I share it. And I can, you can tell too, the way that things resonate. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, I hit, I hit the You remember the the moment
1: when you felt, had that feeling when it resonates. That's right. And that's
0: when I feel, I will say this, Tommy, that I have a lot of feeling of surrendering to something that is much larger than myself and letting myself be well used by whatever that energy is. And those are the moments when I most, I'm like the moments where I truly feel like I did this. It was not, I did it. You know, it's like I gave in. I Mm -hmm. surrendered fully to what needed to come through and I put a period and I shared it and And I didn't get in my head. I didn't like, you know, worry too much. Like are people, is it, is the analysis tight enough? Whatever. I'm like, if it's not tight enough, I've got friends who are super tight on analysis and they will bring the analysis. But like, I'll bring this heart and I'll bring this moment of truth and like, it'll help. It helps me and Mm. it'll help others. And, I can feel those moments now more clearly. Mm, yeah.
1: That giving in takes your own gifts for a ride. Yes. And it's sort of like, and I think that
0: everyone, this is like my deepest belief, is I'm like, I think everyone has pieces of what we need in order to co create this future. But I don't think that you can do it by like being like, I'm just going to go off by myself and hone the craft forever. Um, I don't mm-hmm. think it's about getting perfected in that gift. Mm-hmm. I think you actually have to say, I'm going to take my gift and partner with that which is greater than myself, mm-hmm. community collective, divine force, whatever you want to call that. But I'm going to partner with something that is greater than myself and let myself be well used. Wow. And I think you can see Serena Williams playing tennis. You can see when that happens where someone's just like, you know, whenever Serena wins a game, like she throws her hands up, you know, it's just like, yes, you let something divine flow through you and you were able to do impossible things on the court. Like yeah. you can see it when, when someone gives themselves over. When I went, when I go see a Beyonce concert, that's what I see happening. As I'm just like, <laughs> there's stuff that she's doing energetically. That's like, it's not about how, tight her dance moves are yeah, yeah it's like the fact that she's like here's every horrible thing that ever happened in my life and i turned it all into the best music ever and then i let you all witness my transformation and it's like mm. what's pouring through her you know it's more than one person could hold like <laughs> you know and i think we all have that capacity so we have to figure out like oh how mm. do we open ourselves up
1: when we look at each other collectively in that way it's like an intelligent tenderness you exactly know? Exactly. That's radical, right? Exactly. Uh. And
0: and I think that happens at the level of one-to-one. So often when I'm facilitating, I make people sit. I'm like, contend with the miraculous person in front of you. Hmm. Like, you're not the only miracle. (laughs) And no matter how smart you are, you're not the best miracle, right? Like, that's not how miracles work. Mm -hmm. You just are a miracle, and so is the other person. Mm. And together, there's something you can do that a third miraculous creature between you. And that's exciting. And then I'm like, that's my job, is to just hold groups of miraculous beings in a container <laughs> yeah. it's a good job
1: I promise I, I, I promise these are we'll, we'll rapid, I don't believe we'll you anymore Tommy. The, we'll rapid fire the recipes you've of these. lost my trust um. no,
0: but, but I love the question so we're good
1: we'll rapid fire the <laughs> recipes where when and where do you feel most alone in this world
0: mm. in the best way it really is in the bathtub like I close the door and the bath is super hot I get mm-hmm. in there and like no one can talk to, you know I don't have any devices I'm just like okay
1: when and where do you feel most connected in this world?
0: I think when I wake up in the house where my nibblings are at 630 in the morning and I can hear their feet on their way to me. And yeah. I know that they're going to come. They're all going to dive into bed. They're going to elbow and injure me as they like, you know, yeah. fight to be the closest to me. Yeah. And, you know, I've, I've known them their entire lives. Yeah. I've loved them their entire lives. They know that it's, it's unconditional. Mm. Yeah,
1: not to be confused with the that you saw in Us. If you saw that film,
0: oh, did I see that film? Okay, I hope you saw that film. I like. I want everyone to see that film. I have friends who are like, "It's not good," and I'm like, "No, you weren't in the right place or with the right people when you saw it." And I will go. I will single handedly make a promise to go with people who had the wrong experience because I'm like, something went wrong with your viewing.
1: Wasn't yeah? What's the deepest question you've ever been asked?
0: The deepest question I've ever been asked. Um, I think it's one of them. a version of um, the Tony Cade Bombara, the Salt Eaters question, are you ready to be well? Ooh. Are you ready to be well?
1: What's the most profound answer you've ever received?
0: Yes, it's your turn. Mm.
1: What's the most profound lie you were ever told?
0: Ooh, um, no one's ever going to desire a fat girl
1: <laughs> <Yes>. wrong <laughs> look uh, it's been such a pleasure it's been a total you're pleasure to live. Tommy. I'm excited I'm
0: gonna, are you going to stay gonna and watch the in. show <laughs> I, don't, I mean you're already in here already. just take that chair right there yeah, um,
1: social media you got that
0: I do um, Adrian Marie Brown at, on Instagram right. Marie is spelled with two E's M-A-R-E-E on Twitter it's Adrian Marie. Um, I'm mostly on Instagram though. That's my favorite. That's my happy social media place.
1: Beautiful. Thank I you know. to the nibblings. Thank you to Adrian and Autumn. Marie, shout out thank
0: you for sharing me. Shout out to contest.
1: Alexis, who <laughs> we, we still have in Minnesota for a while. Yes. Shout out to Janata.
0: Yes, Janata's um, coming through tonight, I hope. And yeah. Janata's in the Pleasure Activism book. Yes. It's just so incredible. Go
1: get the book, everybody, and gift it. Like very important that if you can. Get multiple copies so you can gift them. Thank you. Um, and uh, thank you so much for being Thanks, here. Thanks, Tommy.
0: This has been a total pleasure. Oh, appreciate you.
1: Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Adrian Marie Brown. We appreciate your conversation with us. We appreciate your voice, your words, your power. Um. beauty of your words and all your strategies that are spreading beyond Detroit. Um, Adrian's work is definitely spreading um, and one of those ways is the Emergent Strategy Ideation Institute. So look out 2019-2020 because the Emergent Strategy Ideation Institute is infiltrating multiple cities and being co-facilitated in these other cities by some amazing activists, organizers queer black film you name it beautiful humans doing some beautiful work shout out to melinda also and shout out to autumn and the family and we just uh we just really appreciate uh, opening this season with adrian i mean just gives you her brilliant attention when she's in a conversation with you like when, when, you're, when she's looking you in the eye it seems to be all of her when she looks you in the eye and she doesn't just give advice she doesn't just uh, she doesn't just give ideas she, she gives she lets the elements of of our people flow through her, our ancestors flow through her our blackness flows through her, in in the way she she attacks this work, and uh, we are forever forever grateful for that, and excited to see the future of everything Adrian touches. Um, more books to come, and more beautiful work in communities to come, with all, all our collective thought collaboration that does exist, and that we will continue to grow as a people. All right. So let's all get free together Let's all um, Do what we gotta do To get up every day Or take a rest every day You know We're gonna figure this out We're gonna figure this out So Another episode of Weapon of Choice in the books Season opener Hope you loved it Comments on Facebook Instagram Share it Please share the shit Out of our episodes When we, when we release our episodes Especially on Facebook Instagram, please share the shit out of it. Um, Spread that good word of Weapon of Choice the same way Adrian is spreading that good word of pleasure. Yes, and uh, if you want to ever holler at us, you can hit us up in email as well at Weapon of Choice Fans at gmail.com. That's Weapon of Choice Fans at gmail.com. We are an independent podcast. We have a Patreon where there are I believe uh, 11, maybe a dozen people donating as sustaining Weapon of Choice community members. So they're giving monthly. That is at www.patreon.com forward slash Weapon of Choice podcast. www.patreon.com forward slash Weapon of Choice podcast. Any dollar you can give to help keep us going and growing is much appreciated. We really appreciate Um, any help of any amount and if you can give to our patreon and give to webinar choice please do if you know someone who can't but you can please give in their name and uh, of course this is a special menu production as always our theme music no doubt is from the wonderful the talented the brilliant renee copeland and uh, special menu has a lot more to come in collaboration with renee some video projects, some, po- some other podcasting stuff. Uh, yeah, quick shout out to a new podcast soon to uh, be launching podcast. R-E-V-E-N-G-E-L-I-S-T. Revenge Podcast. R E V E N G E L I S T. Revenge. Think like two words Revenge List, but it's pronounced Revengelist Revengelist Podcast A podcast that takes a deep dive Into the most amazing Revenge films from all over the world And the most amazing journeys Of the protagonists seeking out revenge On film Hosted uh, Co-hosted by yours truly And Shaolu Wang so Stay tuned for that And follow at Revengeless Podcast On Instagram of course um, Yeah What else we got? You know The usual baby We gonna keep grinding But we not gonna kill ourselves But we'll die for this If you know what I mean Weapon of choice Andrew and I will be back soon With more episodes Let me tell you how many amazing guests That we are planning to interview In the Twin Cities Not to mention when we pop out of town Chicago uh, LA, New York of course Uh, Gotta make a stop in Detroit Alright I think I got a friend in Detroit now and uh, we're going to try to do what we can With the little that we have and But really, you know Do big things at the same time So, appreciate all you listening Can't say it enough Thank you, thank you, thank you Keep tuning in, keep telling your friends Keep loving each other Keep uh, finding ways to experience pleasure In a multitude of ways Read up on it in the book Pleasure Activism, of course And expand that mind And expand your soul and let pleasure run through you in so many ways that we have not been taught from a young age. But keep exploring, y'all. And uh, we're going to stay in conversation. Love everybody out there. Talk to you soon.